passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. us here today putting words down on a brand new sheet of paper brand new chapter brand new book that we like to call all elite wrestling i guess we never really sat down and 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 talked to each other about okay we have this opportunity to now change wrestling how do you see it how do you see it how do you see it how we make this work maybe in the end you know we had the bucks and their vision we had my vision and then we had Cody's vision and all of our visions were different from one another I would say mine was more similar to, to what the Bucks had envisioned and Cody's was, was out there it was, it was much different someone told me to save this promo but I honestly don't know if I'm going to get the chance so I'm going to do it now and uh, it's very sad and I, you know not something uh, any of us wanted to happen I think but um, I believe that Cody's got uh, something else you know in the works I'm not sure about that but we'll see I carry every ounce of anti-monopoly sentiment on my shoulders I held every grain of the revolution in my hand and each and every one of you cheer you want to turn heel it's because you cheered me when i needed the most when it says there is more than one royal family in wrestling i am talking about me and all of us you know as, as you know um i guess probably a lot of fans know now you know it's it's essentially not just it's tony's show 
and you know, of course, he's always going to listen to our advice, and he's going to uh, take take our, our um, suggestions to heart. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting live and on demand from Buffalo, New York, where today is Sunday, February 20th, 2021. And today in the program, we will be talk- talking about Cody and whatnot, but I'm not supposed to set up that intro. My co-host, Chris Gullow is. Hello. Yes, hello. It's good to be here on another beautiful Sunday morning. And uh, yeah, we, uh, we're we going to discuss Cody leading AEW and what does that mean for AEW and potentially the other company uh that what other company what other company D- wwe but i was i'm just teasing we'll okay, get into okay. more deep details later i was just doing a tease um but also on this show we're gonna actually discuss uh wwe stock shares rising we're gonna kind of talk about wwe business as the future projections as far as where do we see it uh in the next few years uh we'll break down some ratings and uh the effect of uh, big bang theory on dynamite uh, and we're going to discuss elimination chamber as far as some comparisons of the money that wb gets from the kingdom of saudi arabia compared to some other financials yes um <clears throat> and a lot more a lot more <laughs> a, lot, a lot more i was maneuvering with my microphone there um so let's let's take it from the top here. Um, thoughts on the Super Bowl? Uh, let's go from the first down, uh, the kickoff going forward. Thoughts on the Super Bowl? Rams uh, taking the big the big win, taking Vince Lombardi Trophy home. Um, RA game. Uh, I mean, wasn't the greatest game. Wasn't the worst game. Uh, commercials were all right. Uh, I enjoyed the Larry David commercial very much. Did, did you uh, scan the QR code? Yes, I, I did. I did. That was that might have been the most brilliant commercial ever, to be honest with you. And that, and that was for um, Coinbase, correct? Yes. Yep. So that now you're a Coinbase. crypto investor. You already were Crypt- a crypto investor. I already was. Yeah, I just I had to scan the QR code to know what it was. It could have been anything. So you have Bitcoin and Dogecoin. Last I last we discussed this. Is that correct? So, um, I never. I actually never had Bitcoin. I had Dogecoin, and I have now sold Dogecoin. So do you have any crypto currently? Right now, I have zero crypto. You had it through the Robinhood app? Yeah. So now I have stocks through three companies. I bought very tiny shares of uh, some powerhouses, Netflix, Amazon, and Tesla. Okay. Um, so you do, so if you buy crypto, I don't know how this works. You bought crypto through Robinhood, so you didn't have to have yes. a wallet. You didn't have to have no. Coinbase. Which I think is no. what you have. anyway. Um, I think I own Coinbase stock, but I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, so uh, the the viewership uh, for the for the Super Bowl, as we as we know, all viewership is down. So uh, viewership was down year over year for the, for the Super Bowl. Is that correct? Uh, no. <laughs> what? What? I don't think. So. See, no. It's 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 flip flopped. What happened? I thought it, th- th- this is the you know the. As we've been talking about for you know some five, six, seven years, cable is is on its deathbed. Uh, it's almost over for cable, so so the Super Bowl was down again, right? It's all streaming. It was all nope. streaming this year, correct? Uh, no, no, ninety nine point two million up from the ninety one point six in traditional TV. We should yes. say almost a hundred million if you add in the streaming. Uh, Sports Media Watch, which is good good ratings website. 
uh, had the number had the number of streaming as six million devices, eleven million viewers. But in years prior, there doesn't seem to have been a differentiation between devices and, and users. But uh, it it does uh, even when you include the streaming, this is well up from from last year. Uh, and when you include the streaming, it was even more than twenty twenty, uh, even more than twenty nineteen. Kind of, uh, I'm not doing the math here, but. Uh, pretty close to what it was in 2018. What do you think the reasoning is for that? We'll talk about wrestling in a moment. Um, well, I mean, also too, I, I can't think of all the networks, but Peacock was attached to NBC. And I believe the last couple of Super Bowls were CBS and Fox. And at that time, CBS, I don't think Paramount Plus was a thing. Uh, and no. Fox may have had Tubi, but uh, I think the, this large scale of a streaming service with the network they had the Super Bowl, I think it has something to do with it. Okay. Um, maybe it was the great work rate of the conference finals of the, um, of all the great playoff games. Who knows? Um, just to follow up on what we talked about last week, uh, WrestleTix had the capacity, of course, it was sold out the Super Bowl was, had the capacity at 66,824. Did the NFL exaggerate the attendance while well, they reported, and this is from the LA Times, I imagine it's directly from the NFL, um, 70,048 at, at the stadium. Uh, so that's a difference of a little over 3,000. So Russell Tick's number did not, does not include suites. It's possible that there were 3,000 people in the, in the suites. I would imagine if there's any event that the suites yeah. are going to be filled for, it's going to be the Super Bowl. That could be 3,000 in the suites. So this doesn't, this is not an exaggeration. If it's an exaggeration, it's not an exaggeration on the scale of WrestleMania in this instance. So interesting things we're learning because WrestleTix is uh, counting the dots. So what else is new in the world? This is new, even leaving the world of professional wrestling. What's new? It was a very uh, newsworthy uh, week uh, as we found out that Cody and Brandy Rhodes have officially left all elite wrestling. Yes. This, this news broke on Tuesday. Uh, and we have statements from Tony Khan and from, from Cody Brandy as well. We'll, we will read the, the statements from, from Tony and from Cody here. So this is from Tony Cody and Brandy Rhodes were integral to the launch of all elite wrestling. Cody's ability combined with his boldness and his passion for industry and his love for community outreach helped AEW deliver on our mission to give fans what they needed for far too long, something new, innovative, and lasting. Brandy helped us shape the AEW story, and I appreciate how hard she fought for us both in the ring and out of the ring, competing in the women's division while advancing our efforts at inclusion and civic causes, including great partnerships with Culture City and the American Heart Association. I have immense respect and appreciation for Cody and Brandy, and I wish them both as they move on from AEW. Thank you, Cody and Brandy. Signed. This is Tony Khan, CEO, President, General Manager, and Head of Creative. Okay. Ollie Wrestling. Is that Head of Creative signature? Is that new? No. Or has he been doing that for a while? Okay. That's the first time I noticed him. No. And then, then the statement from Cody, I don't know if this is quite long. I don't know if we need to read all of it, but uh, read it until you're satisfied. You can, you can abridge it as, as you see fit. 
Yeah. Um, so I've loved my time at AEW. Amazing locker room, amazing fans, amazing people. The revolution was indeed televised, and I've been incredibly lucky, lucky to be part of that. First, I want to thank Tony Khan. He's taken the baton and run with it, and it was an honor to work for him and to know him on a personal level. He's a beautiful soul. Obviously, need to thank my incredible wife and mother, my baby girl, Brandy, and for all her love and support through the journey together and the amazing relationship she fostered with Culture City and the American Heart Association. I also need to thank Nick and Matt Jackson. These two, whatever they know it or not, took an undesired and non-confident little club and gifted me the confidence to become the leader of the pack. Kenneth Omega, Chris Jericho, Chicken, we started the fire. I must thank uh, Tim with Greg M. Greg W. and the amazing production crew who understood and captured the vision with such grace. And then he, he said, he names a lot of the talents and whatnot too, but yes. I think that gives the big gist there. Yes. Including Harrington is, is named here. Do you notice yes. that? Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> referring, referring to Chris Harrington, Mookie. Uh, so we had heard, I believe it's January 20, January 19th is when he cuts this promo. Uh, and, and just after the news has broken that Cody is working without a contract. Um, so you were telling me just before we went to air go that you had uh, predictions about Cody. Is this something that you predicted when on our prediction episode? I, 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 well, not for him being involved, but I predicted that 2022 was going to see another new promotion. And uh, I thought immediately, now this is before any of the WWE talk came out and it was being reported. My immediate reaction when I found this news was he's going to start his own wrestling company. And who's involved? Is Jeff Jarrett involved? Is someone else involved? Like, I think, and there are a couple other people had a similar thought process to I did. I saw the, the Google image of, uh, or the image of, um, on Twitter of Cody Rhodes and Jeff Jarrett with Cody Rhodes with the Global Force title that was being shared quite a bit. Yes, that's on from on from, from years ago. From years ago. From years ago. Yeah. To be clear. Um. So yeah, uh, that was my immediate thought. Was okay. He did something, but it's clearly not his vision anymore. He probably doesn't have any real power or anything. He's going to try something else with someone else. Um, so I, I did breaking news on Tuesday when this, when this news broke, but just to, uh, hopefully we'll go into some more depth here. Um, Cody asked for his release, I believe 2016, um, not somebody that the online internet fan base, at least those who are engaged online and make comments online, or maybe have podcasts that are influential and things of that nature. We're not very excited about the prospect of Cody being on the Indies. How's that going to work out? This is somebody who's, who never had a match. I don't believe before his, his WWE run, uh, before he went into W developmental. Um, then he put out this list and people laughed at, you're going to, you're going to wrestle Shibata and he's got uh, the young bucks. And uh, Trevor, Trevor Lee, remember him? Uh, Chris Hero and thing. Bola, he thought he was going to go to Bola, which he did. Um, but he uh, he earned that fan base's respect. And uh, as I talked about on Tuesday, uh, I was at All In. And uh, there was nobody more over than than Cody Rhodes on that night. Um, but, I th- you know, I think. What's happened here? I as as I was putting these slides together, I remember 
realizing that, uh, you know, really wrestling in many ways, when you think about it, it's just a bunch of men dealing with other daddy issues, you might say, um, whether it's Vince or, or whomever. Uh, so this is one of the few, few uh, if people are watching on YouTube, one of the few images that I could find of Vince and Dusty Rhodes together from, this is probably the late 70s and in, in uh, one of Dusty Rhodes' appearances in WWWF. Um, but I think Cody, the impression I have, so this will be all speculation um, as, as uh, the departure of Cody Rhodes from AEW likely to WWE has been a, a great, a great event for wrestling media monetization, I'm sure. Um, but I, I imagine that he wants to be a booker and uh, not only be a wrestling star, but to be a booker uh, like his dad was memorably for Jim Crocker promotions for, uh, for Florida. So um, it's, it'll be interesting to see how this works out for him uh, in, in WWE. Cause we haven't seen yet. You know, there really hasn't been anyone I know. Um, who's the, who's the uh, WUK guy who was in, who did some, some dark appearances for AEW and then signed uh, Ben with, Carter. There it is. That that was his pre WWE name. I forget what, who knows what his name is. Yeah. yeah. Um, but this is really the first move of any kind of somebody who is under contract with AEW going to WWE. And how will Vince deal with somebody like that? Uh, history has shown us whether it was Dusty Rhodes himself, whether it was Harley Race becoming the king, whether it was Dusty becoming the yellow polka dots, the caricature American dream. Uh, will Vince, in his wisdom, try to reimagine Cody into something? Uh, Cody was reimagined already in WWE into Stardust. I don't think he'll be in the Stardust gear at any point. Um, but there are some better examples of how Vince has dealt with people who were stars outside of his system. Uh, I have to reach back to like 1991, though, to find an example that comes to mind for me, and that's Ric Flair. Ric Flair, the biggest star outside of his company, to at least to the U.S. audience at that time, uh, coming over from WCW to WF. Uh, and he was treated like a real star. He won the title within within a year because he won the Royal Rumble in 1992. Um, I think other examples that we could look to just to think about what kind of a star is he going to be? I think Rey Mysterio might be his ceiling. Um, I don't see Cody being on the level of, let's say Roman Reigns or Brock Lesnar. Um, he should, what he should do if he's still negotiating uh, with WWE is insist, insist on being a part-timer and, uh, so that uh, the t TV, the way that that you know Vince will conduct the TV will not overexpose him, and he will be treated as as a special novelty like Brock Lesnar is, rather than uh, something that Vince has a fascination with and maybe uh, special attention for for three weeks, maybe six weeks, and then uh, loses uh, his fascination with it. Um, so there's. There's the fleeting interest that Vince has with many things and the way that he changes his mind. And uh, that that's something to contend with. I think there's also, uh, will Vince treat somebody who is a big deal in AEW 
a bigger star outside of WWE because he was outside of WWE than he ever was inside WWE. And how will Vince um, book somebody who's a big star outside WWE? And we saw a lot of people within WWE system who were big stars within NXT move over to the main roster. And I, I believe Vince didn't want to uh, sort of acknowledge their star power or invest in them because they were something created in Triple H's vision rather than his own vision of wrestling and that there was somebody else that could be credited for their building up and their success. Um, I think, I think Cody will be viewed that way by Vince ultimately. And I think we can look to examples such as um, the way that the invasion went in WCW in 2001, or even before that, the way that uh, Taz in his, if people don't remember or weren't watching wrestling at that time, Taz signed with WWE, moved from ECW to WWE, uh, did a quick, you know, showed up on an ECW show, won the title, I believe from Mike Awesome. You might remember this better, Golo. Um, So he was signed to WWE, became the ECW champion, and then quickly on SmackDown, he's put in a match with Triple H so Triple H could beat him. (laughs) Uh, I think Triple H was WWE champion at the time. So uh, I think there will be some of of that happening uh, as well. We've got to You've got to beat him and show that somebody who wasn't even an AEW champion. And I mean, there was a stipulation where he couldn't go for the title, uh, but somebody who wasn't even the AEW champion was one of their big stars. But we can't show that the AEW stars are neck and neck with our own top stars. We we got to put him somewhere. I think his ceiling here is like Drew McIntyre, Rey Mysterio, something like that. Um, yes. I have a I have a comparison here, but I you know Mr. Warren Hayes actually did have a very interesting super chat. Uh, thank you. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. This is a looking forward to Cody and Bruce butting heads reports. <laughs> super chat. So, um, yeah, the, their visions might be similar than people think. Though who knows uh, on that? But uh, I do my thought on this and and I know it's not a straight comparison because he wasn't an in-ring talent. He was a, you know, an on-screen character, but I would compare it to Eric Bischoff. And I would say that because Eric Bischoff pretty much created competition for Vince. Cody Rhodes went out there and created competition for Vince. Part of it, not the only one Um, big deal. When he first came like, wow, this is a big thing. But then it was three to four years of how many times can we embarrass Eric Bischoff? Put him in the, put him in this, put him in this angle, this angle. You know what I mean? Like, have a have him make make out with May Young and this and that. Like, and I feel Cody's going to get the big treatment right away. He's going to have a probably a marquee WrestleMania match, and then it's going to kind of be storylines like that. Yeah. Uh Yeah. It's it's more fully forming the notion that you know oh what vince really likes is humiliation comedy that's his that's his his one of his favorite things we we might we might see this for people watching on youtube um goldberg in the wig you had one of the simplest formulas in in wrestling history really uh just have him beat people but uh goldberg goldberg in his first run before he became somebody who was a a part-time um I know he's probably part-time in his first run too. I think he had limited dates, but uh, in his 
uh, more recent run, I think he's been more protected and kept special because he's been even more limited and even sees him as somebody who is more overweight when rather than these kids today. Um, but yeah, I, I think, so why, why has Cody decided to leave or maybe it's not completely all on his side. Maybe Tony wanted was, wanted him to leave too. And we have, um, Kenny kind of confirming it. And I, I don't know if there's been direct confirmation from Tony about this, but um, I think Meltzer has reported this, that there was an option that AW Tony Khan could have exercised to extend Cody for, I don't know if it's a year or two years, but some substantial time beyond this time. Uh, that was not exercised though. I'm guessing it's because he wasn't completely happy. Uh, he wanted something more or something different. I don't know if how, how much money played into this, but I think creative leadership played into this. Um, and I think, you know, I, I think back to the, the all in uh, post show speech that they all did. Um, have you ever listened to that? Because the, I guess that, that was off the air. Um, have you ever listened to that goal? No, it's I, on YouTube. I and I didn't listen to the posting on that. But they, they it, it's it's kind of a stand. It's what you would expect it was. It's a big fired yeah. up speech. Um, we we a, a clip of it played in the intro uh, to to this program just now. But uh, AEW, the opportunity of AEW, you know, offered to to Cody and the others who became executive vice presidents, uh, a chance to be in a company where they would have more control or at least they would be assured that they would be more creatively fulfilled than they would be in WB, which was probably the second most likely option other than starting AEW and taking this chance with Tony Khan. Um, and it's, it's funny uh, that I at all in, so I, w I was there and I was there with Mookie and uh, eight, nobody knew the, the initials, AEW, you know, the public didn't. I think they were working on the the the, the logos and whatnot at the time. Uh, but I was aware that something was happening, and Mookie was working on stuff with Tony. And uh, I remember having a conversation there that weekend and discussing, like, well, you know, All In is sort of this setup. It's sort of a demo tape to show here's what we can do and we did it by ourselves and this is the kind of product that we can put on um and you know i, I guess one of, one of the questions i was i think i was raising at the time or we were discussing at the time so you know sort of what happens when uh there are creative differences i could see people like kenny and the bucks you know the producers of, of being the elite having a different vision than this guy who's doing this this nick aldis program right now um and uh, by December 2019, just a couple of months after Dynamite debuted on TNT, uh, just following this uh, poorly received angle involving the Dark Order, um, Tony decided to change creative leadership from being a collaborative effort with the EVPs and himself to being just his own project. As we heard in the intro, you know, Kenny... Uh, not confirming this, not that there was any doubt, but uh, talking about how it's basically Tony's show. This was from an, an interview that he just did the other day with uh, 
Wrestling Observer. Um, and the, the, the funny thing to me is that this this Dark Order thing looks if, – if this – and I'm sure there were other events that led to this, but this was the final event that led to Tony taking complete control of creative. This seems like a, a Young Bucks creation or somebody else's creative effort, not Cody's, which leads to all of them – you know, they're being listened to. They can largely, I think, related to their own creative, have a lot of influence over that. Um, but this this angle that was probably not involving Cody uh, is what leads to Cody losing the creative power that I think was really important to him and that, you know, if he wants to be a booker like his dad was, uh, that, that leads to him losing that opportunity now obviously um you go to we you're going to be under more control than ever as far as vince mcmahon is going to uh i, I can't imagine like cody has set himself apart in the last couple of years by being such a strong promo and i can't imagine that translating to we um i like i, I don't even believe that this is so much a skill that he has developed in the last few years, as much as I think it was a skill that he had or innate ability that he had. I mean, people can think about like what, what year was Dusty in, inducted into the hall of fame and everybody responded to, you know, Cody who had, you know, was not even a wrestler at that time. Right. Uh, at, for having given this, this great speech, uh, in, you know, inducting his dad into the hall of fame. Um, so I, I don't think that, being capable of a, of a really good promo is a skill that Cody has recently developed. I think it's something that he has long had and uh, he had while he was in W in the first place, he had it while he was in AEW. He will have it in this likely upcoming run with WWE. And I, I don't, I don't see how he's uh, going to come across as a great promo there because no one comes almost no one, almost no one comes across as a great promo in WWE, which is like, I think by far his greatest strength, he's capable of good matches too, but more so it's, it's his promo ability that sets him apart. Um, so there's those things. Maybe also what's driving this is, uh, the downfall of influence of, uh, triple H falling out of influence maybe falling out of favor, maybe after his cardiac event, taking a step back to reconsider his priorities. In any event, clearly out of influence in NXT relative to the black and gold era. And then just after Royal Rumble, Shane McMahon falling out of favor, sent home. Who knows what the details really are of Shane McMahon's recent issues with WWE slash his father, Vince. But Shane McMahon seems to uh, issues between Vince and Shane professionally seem to be re-aggravated. Maybe there is an opening there for Cody to come in and not just be maybe a major star for WWE, but maybe develop into some kind of person of influence behind the scenes as well. Uh, Cody has obviously been very active with the Nightmare Factory, which he, I believe, runs along with QT Marshall. Um, I think he saw his role in AEW as 
somebody who was very much developing other talent, both in terms of, you know, helping them hands on and in terms of working with them on screen to help them get over, uh, he helped a number of wrestlers get over in his last match in, in, in AEW is that, uh, where, where, uh, he put over Sammy Guevara. Um, so that's what I think is motivating that. Um, I think Brandy Rhodes is an issue too. Um, f- really for all five of them, the, what I've called the, the original sin of AEW is that part of what helped convince those four or five key people to take the chance with AEW is that you promised them not just probably great pay, but you promised them some influence an executive position, which also gave them benefits. Um, and doing that, you took five people who had no experience being uh, corporate leaders and you made them corporate leaders uh, in, in a startup company. Um, but you made Brandy Rhodes a, a very key person in this company, and she always had to have an on-screen role. Um, that she was not necessarily... Uh, I, I think Brandy Rhodes think, d- doesn't know how to get the most out of her abilities. Um, and we've, if you've been watching the wrestling news over the last few days, you've seen reports that lots of people didn't like Brandy Rhodes a few of our friends on Twitter quickly coming to her defense. Um, but I think that was an issue also. Um, remember the nightmare collective? Ah, good times. Um, so there's all those things happening. It's a, it's pro- it's probably a relief for many people in AEW, including leadership to not have to worry about that anymore. We have to find something for Brandy. Um, this brings to mind, okay. Uh, the issue of, Cody being received with booze lately. That brings to mind Rhodes to the top. So the timing of Rhodes to the top and the timing of Cody starting to get audible booze is not exactly uh, coinciding, but it's close. Um, I think he'd started to get, to get booed just before Rhodes to the top uh, hit the air. But um so first of all, roads to the top. Now there's a big question as far as, well, I, I guess it's not too much of a question. I don't think that show is going to continue to exist. Um, there, were, uh, there was a report from The Observer in November that roads to the top was renewed for a second season. And uh, Fightful Sean Ross Sapp has mentioned that he's tried to confirm that with AEW. He's tried to confirm that with TNT. He was not able to do so. I question whether that show was really renewed. Um that being said, how big of a deal is it to AEW's TV partner, by far the biggest source of its revenue, Turner, Warner Media? How big of a deal is it to that network that this guy who is on not just Roads to the Top, which may or may not have had another season, how big of a deal is it that you know, he's not going to be there for maybe that and the Go Big Show um, series that he was appearing on as well? Which he's still actively promoting. Yeah. This week I saw on Twitter he retweeted like right, the go big stuff. I think they're in the middle of that season. Yeah. Um there were ads for it during Dynamite. <laughs> uh one of the biggest values that a wrestling program or any program can have to its network is that, hey, 
we can drive viewership. We, we're not just airing our show, but with our show and with our talent, we're going to be able to drive viewership to other shows on the network, including Go Big Show, including Roads to the Top. Uh, it's a synergistic effect. So that's lessened with the exit of Cody. Question I don't know the answer to. How do network executives feel about this? Cody's not with you anymore. He was our guy who was helping drive viewership to go big show. He's our guy who's maybe going to do another season of roads to the top. I don't know. Is something going to replace roads to the top. That is an AEW program, which it was, it was an AEW program. Um, that was obviously on TNT. Uh, we'll see roads to the top. I think Cody and Brandy did not come off well on, I think, uh, you know, some reality programs like the ultimate fighter, uh, that that helped usher in a huge period of business for UFC, uh, f- from which it has never fallen from um, in 2005, um, in a similar situation where they had a lead-in from a wrestling program. Uh, I, th- I think they came off as lacking in, in self-awareness on that show. Um, and it happened at the same time that Cody was apparently lacking self-awareness in how to deal with this issue where he's being booed by the fans. Um, I was one person who thought that he was actually ahead of the curve when this first started to happen. And as time went on, I became less sure of that. I thought that, you know, he was in control of this situation and that he was really going to make it work out uh, creatively, but that never happened. And now he's out of AW and then, you know, it never happened. Um, I figured maybe there was like a Breton Canada type thing happening or, or something where, he, where, it, where it was all going to fit together somehow. Um, yeah. In, in, in wrestling and like in, in, in media generally uh, you want to be a little bit ahead of the curve. You want to be a little bit smarter than your audience. You don't want to be way too, way smarter than your audience though. You don't want to be too far ahead of the curve you know, whether it's wrestling or media or investment, um, you don't want to be 20 years ahead of technology and making investments. Even if your predictions turn out to be right. Uh, if, if you're 20 years ahead of the curve, you're going to be not optimally investing, uh, your resources. Uh, and you don't want to be behind the curve either. And I think WB creatively, you know, Vince is hopelessly behind the curve, but he's got so many revenue sources that are guaranteed that's all kind of obfuscated because he has extremely powerful name id that's been stored up over the decades uh that he can continue to produce creative that's well behind the curve uh we may touch on that later when we talk about uh, the w estimate um and i think aw is for the most part in the right place execution is a different question but being ahead of the curve understanding their audience at least as well as as the audience understands itself, AEW's there. Um, in the last few months, Cody has felt fallen behind that in terms of not knowing how to work the fans, um, and in, and sort of do, doing weird things like in in this final promo in in January, um, you know, sort of breaking the fourth wall and and shouting about how he won't. You know why I won't turn heel, <laughs> which 
I, I, I don't know that there's ever a good reason to do uh, in the in-ring content. Go ahead. Well, with that, I want to bring up a point. And this is where, you know, I think speculations of maybe this wasn't Cody's decision to leave AEW because going to WWE, it's it's Vince at the day end all be all when it comes to creative. No matter what the creative team comes up with you, no matter what a you know a, a producer might think is good or whatever the talent thinks is good, it's at the end of the day, it's what Vince thinks is good. And here's a guy that you know probably had a lot of pushback for turning heel. I mean, I don't know if Tony Khan had this thought, but Tony Khan probably thought maybe a heel or maybe like a homelander on the boys type scenario where the guy thinks he's a baby face, but really he's actually a heel. Um, you know, it might've been type of like that type of situation yeah. in WWE. If, if, if Vince goes, you're going to be a heel and he goes, no, he's like, no, you're going to be a heel. There is going to be no like consent. You know, he, he's just going to have to do it. Yeah. I mean, he'll probably have, more trouble uh, being listened to and, and having his influence make it to the screen. Um, yeah. Um, to, to touch back on does, does Cody is part of the attraction of going, to, I think what's happening here is, you know, he thought he was going to have not just creative freedom here in AEW, but creative leadership that, that fell away by December, 2019. Um, I don't think he has any illusions that he's going to have, a, a great deal of creative freedom in WWE, but at least, at least that's the deal. And maybe there's a way for him to, to grow as a behind the scenes person. Um, if there is a vacancy of, of power for a position that may, maybe Triple H is less occupying, maybe that happens. Um, but I think the people who are thriving politically in WWE right now are the people who are most aligned with Vince's vision uh, of, in this case, creative. Um, and I don't see Cody's vision as, as aligned with Vince's vision creatively. Uh, I see, if anything, Cody, or I'm sorry, Kenny and the Young Bucks vision being closer, not exactly, but closer to Vince's vision in terms of the, the whimsy and uh, the greater acceptance, openness to comedy and things like that. Um, and I, I, from my impression is that Cody favors strong, dramatic promos, more sports like wrestling, the kind of thing that we saw in the Nick Aldis program. Um, so, and I don't think that that, I don't think that that will be received favorably in the political landscape of WWE. I could see Cody thinking he can make it work though, because people who are big stars often believe in themselves to a great degree, far beyond the level that others believe in them. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I, and I think as time goes on, Vince doesn't become less Vince. Vince becomes more Vince and more rigid in making exceptions for for how he's going to change. I think he – oh, wow, we're at, we're at 42 minutes here. I, 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 yeah. I, I, I was telling you, if, if we go under an hour – You'll do Je Jeopardy, and now, good lord! Well, because we got a super chat from Timby, and I have another question too to, to pose okay. to you after go, that. Go, go ahead, go ahead. Well, we'll start with the Tim B super chat. Thank you, Tim. Uh, when when Chicago threw the weight belt back was when Cody either lost control or it became apparent that he was out of touch of how he was viewed. Th thanks for a super chat. I I don't remember that moment, but uh, 
when when was that? Do do you know Gullo, or maybe Tim B can tell us in the chat? Um, it, Tim, Tim probably tell us, but I, I think it was a few months ago. Yes, I want to say they've been in Chicago a lot. So yes, something else we'll talk about too. They've been to a lot of the same cities quite often. Um, I, I think that's that's everything that I wanted to say about this. I'm sure I'm forgetting something, but uh, you know, I've listened to a lot of people talk about this topic. Obviously it's been huge news. Um, and there's always like 17 things. I'm like, Oh yeah, I gotta remember to talk about that too. But, but yeah, I think, I think that's everything. This post wrestling podcast is brought to you by nerd Wallet's smart money podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with on nerd Wallet's smart money podcast. Their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible, conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister. And putting away more money for retirement, because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Um... I do have one more question. <laughs> so now I'm looking for the WWE side of you with this, right? Obviously, this is big news. You would use him to pop a rating, you would think. I know they think different than AEW when it comes to that, but do you just have him show up? Do you promote it like, hey, Cody Rhodes will be on SmackDown, Cody Rhodes will be on Raw, or hey, we have a mystery partner and this and that? Like, I mean, as soon as The Miz cut his promo yesterday at at Elimination Chamber, people thought it was Cody, and now we're here reports mm. that it's Logan Paul that yes. will be his tag partner yes. against the Mysterios. But uh, yeah, I mean, WWE's got to capitalize on this, right? I mean, this would probably be a a nice way to kind of pop a rating, help that average for the year. <laughs> the great problem in in, in talking about what's going to happen in WWE on screen is like you naturally think about wow, how could they get the most out of this? And that's a totally different thing from what they will do because you're, you're basing yourself, your thoughts from a, a position of how can they get the most interest out of this? How can it be the most exciting? And uh, Vince and W probably think they are too, but there's a, a lot of politics and ego that come in, come into play. Um, what, 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 what should happen? Yeah, they should, they should, uh, I don't know, debut him as soon as possible and uh, have him go face-to-face with Roman Reigns. I don't know. Um, what will happen? Probably not that. You know, like, like I said, I think more likely is that they will feel that they have to build him down, you know, break him down to build, you know, to build him back up. Um, AJ Styles is an example of somebody who made his name outside of WWE and did, did actually get debuted on the main roster without having to go to NXT. Um, even Drew McIntyre had to go back to NXT, remember? But uh, but but AJ Styles is somebody who I think they so, sort of brought into some fanfare, uh, quickly broke him down. And uh, then he, then he, eventually though he did get built back up. He did end up becoming WWE champion and had a, a top program with Roman Reigns. And and now you know as he's getting a bit older, he's sort of in, in the middle again. But whatever. Um, but I, you know, I think. Uh, what, what was your question again? Did I answer it? 
I mean, yeah, it, it well, it, it was just basically like you know how can WWE capitalize on this? But like you said, like they don't sometimes think that way. But I mean, I would say ratings wise, especially you, know, you had a couple weeks uh, that you were on Sci Fi, so that's obviously going to drop your your average on Raw and your eighteen to forty nine. Maybe this would have been something that hey, they promote yeah. I, next I, couple I weeks. They should bring him in and go face. Let's, I don't know. This is just a random idea. I just thought about in the last five seconds. If you bring him in, he goes face to face with Roman Reigns. He, he wants a title match with Roman Reigns. Somebody else uh, prevents this from happening. And then he works a program with that person. And then maybe we're going towards Reigns because Reigns has got to finish up with Lesnar first. Oh my God. We're fantasy booking on, on WrestleNomics. This has got to stop. Um, something like that could happen. But what's going to happen is some, you know, Vince or, or or somebody who's playing to Vince's insecurities is going to point out that, well, if we do that, we're going to, we're going to make it look like AEW uh, people are on the same level as, as the top WWE people. And we and that'll be bad for us. Um, and Vince will, will be convinced of that and we'll buy that. And that's, and he'll some, something lesser will happen with him. Um, yeah. That's, that's what I think will happen. As others have pointed out, this is a really important moment for WWE to show that if you if you're you're in AEW, you come to WWE, we're we're gonna do great things with you. This is a moment where they should be concerned with with proving that to talent in AEW who are open to the idea of being in WWE someday and who aren't that sure whether they want to go to WWE because they think they're probably not gonna be not gonna not not just not be creative, creatively fulfilled, but they will not have their career developed. Uh, this is a, this is WWE's opportunity to prove them wrong and to prove that WWE is the place to be. Uh, I have no faith that that they that WWE that Vince will will ease that um, that perception. I do have this slide um, too. Just quickly, this is a chance for W to change the narrative too. When it comes to to some degree, fan perception. Not that they really care about that in this regard, but to any business partners or investors who are asking about AEW, what's going on with this 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 dynamite show? That's I guess doing similar. 18 to 49 viewership as raw what's going on with that and you've got talent like john moxley and chris jericho and cm punk and brian danielson all of whom used to be with your company and they're going over to that company why is there exit why is there this exodus of talent from WWE to aw is it like this better place to be or something and now finally w will be able to say no it's not all one way we've got at least one person coming our way um it reminds me of how the flow of talent often reflects the flow of popularity or at least the trajectory of popularity. Uh, WF losing its lead in popularity to WCW in the mid nineties as the flow of talent went from WF to WCW most memorably Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage, uh, Lex Luger going back. Those are the ones that come to mind first. And then later in the attitude era as the Monday night war, uh, was more decisively in WF's favor, Jericho, Benoit, Malenko, Guerrero, moving from WCW to WF. Uh, and this is, I think, as we've seen, you know, AEW, definitely, I, I see AEW and Stardom as the only two companies that I can see globally that have any positive momentum. Uh, I'm not talking about finances here. 
WF, WF, I'm looking at WF logos right now. WWE obviously has positive momentum. We're going to talk about that in a moment before we run out of time here. But in terms of consumer interest, AEW and Stardom are the only ones that I see have clearly positive consumer interest, and AEW still still does. I don't know what the ceiling is for for AEW, but it's it's. I'm still seeing Google web search positive year over year comparisons here, um, and I think there's a lot of brand equity and name equity for them to to solidify still. But anyway, uh, 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, a lot of talent going from WWE to AEW, and that coinciding with Upward trajectory for AEW and WWE, much more wealthy company, downward trajectory and consumer interest. Um, this, as WWE loves to do, or at least is highly benefited from, this obfuscates the narrative. Um, I know I'm just bringing up one more topic on this, but uh, it cool. coincides with what you're talking about, the sure. flow of talent, right? So when a lot of people leave a company, especially if they're like an executive or somebody, you know, higher up, there's, there's a, like a, a clause where you can't take away, you know, certain people. People can't jump with you. Now, obviously, it's a little different wrestling because there's contracts. But do we see now, you know, of course, we got a lot of renewals coming up. Um, do we see a lot of AEW talent that were Cody's like vision of the roster? Because we can, you can kind of tell who's a Cody person, who's a Bucks person, who's a Kenny person, as far as people they push for by their social media, whatnot, history, all that. Do we see some of those Cody talents maybe possibly going to to WWE? Maybe I, I would have to have a stronger sense of how deep the loyalties are. I mean, like, I, I don't know yeah. who those people are beyond Brandy and, and QT Marshall. Um, and I mean, I, I don't think W is interested in either of them. Um, the production team, not that they would jump to WWE, but the production team uh, was a Cody thing through DDP. Okay. Yeah. Um, and there's a couple others. I think Justin Roberts might've been at Cody Rhodes push too. And yeah, I mean, W's this is all speculation. Right, right. I mean, I mean, for Justin Roberts, W had their time with Justin Roberts and yeah. he, he left there uh, with not, not a completely positive story to tell. Um, Tim B points out it was Thanksgiving Eve when the, the weight belt yeah. was, was thrown back. So thanks for that. Okay. I think I've said everything I need to say about Cody. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We, we will move on to WWE and uh, stock prices. Uh, as of close on Friday, $58.55 mm-hmm. for WWE shares, performing very well mm-hmm. as of late. You're not a, a WWE shareholder? I am not, no. I am not either. Never have been. Um. So this, the stock price has been doing really well since the earnings call on February 3rd. This is on, on YouTube, a chart looking at the last month and comparing it to the S&P 500, which is in the last 30 days, I believe is what we're looking at here. The S&P 500 has been down 4%. It's not been a good time in the stock market. WE stock, however, over the same course of time, the last 30 days, up nearly 14%, 13.9%. That means if you invested $100 in W stock one month ago, you now have about $114. So 
uh, a good return over a short period of time where now the uh, the market, oh, MJ just put in a super chat. You see that pop up on the screen? Uh, we will, now we, I just got it. We'll yep. address that in a moment. Um, but but the, the stock market um, finally having some confidence in in this stock for some reason. I've asked people, uh, including people who are invested in WWE, why this is. Uh, I, I don't see what, what, what a clear answer is, though. Um, so I wrote my estimate of, of WWE uh, looking forward into the, the next year or two. Um, that is on Patreon now for subscribers. It will be on WrestleNomics.com soon. Uh, so if you want to read it right now, sign up to the Patreon. Um, but yeah, we will talk about that now, though. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I, it's not that big of a change as far as what I, what, what I think the future of this company is. Um, they're gonna break their financial records in 2022. Uh, they're gonna at least come close in the year after that because, largely because of guaranteed escalating TV rights fees, um, and I think. You, uh, I, I made you read this call. So, what, what did you think of this uh, estimate report? So, just kind of reading it. I mean, it's I. You played a good side because clearly, you know, the TV deal and all that. That's it's probably going to be more profitable than what it is right now, just because of TV rates. But linear TV is decreasing as it's an older audience and. Is streaming, and I talked to you about this off air. The, the streaming perspective would be going to a network that also has a streaming platform, a large scale streaming platform, would probably be the best move for WWE. And I mean, NBC Universal with Peacock is one that comes to mind. So, but you kind of also brought up the perspective of the big three that don't really have, yeah, you know, Apple, Amazon, and Netflix that don't really have a network. So, let me ex- explain my assumption here. So, part of what I write about in here is that think about. And I, 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 I don't think we've talked about this in, in that much detail yet here on Russellomics Radio. Um, but I've talked with a lot of people about this subject. Um, I think you think about when this deal ends, this current set of US TV deals that W has for Raw and SmackDown, they end the end of September 2024. Um, the last two rounds of deals that they've done have been for either four or five years. So that's a good in, in, indication of what the following deal would be so that means we would have a let's say it's four years five years that means we've got a deal going from october 2024 to fall of 2028 or maybe 2029 so we're talking about the late 20s here finally i can say a decade it'll be very clear what i mean i say the the 20s rather than the 10s or the teens or the aughts or whatever it is anyway um what are the late 20s going to be like as far as media consumption uh, Nielsen posts its gauge donut chart every month, which I love. Uh, streaming is at 28% of total TV time in the United States. Only 28%. It's less than probably most people think. Um, but it's growing and linear is falling, but linear still makes up like 67% of the TV time. Um, but that said, my big question is, around reach reach what does that mean fox has really strong reach because it's in basically every tv home because it's through the antenna it's broadcast tv big cable 
networks like USA and TNT and TBS are in about 80 million homes. That number will decrease over time and has been decreasing over time because cord cutting is happening and people are coming of age who are moving into their own household, they're young people, we're never going to subscribe to cable. Um, so, and obviously people are getting old and passing away and, and those subscriptions are going away. Um, so, as that number of homes that USA Network is in, that, that even Fox is in, decreases, is, and this is something for AW to think about too, but is being on linear TV going to be enough reach through the late 20s? And, and as that streaming share gets bigger and that linear share gets smaller, why is reach important to a wrestling company, Chris Gullo? Well, popularity. I mean, the aspect of other revenue, if you have higher reach, first off, then the streaming network, cable network, whatever is going to want to even, you know, oh, wow, the popularity continues. So why is popularity important? Popularity is important because it, it it is why people will invest in your product when it comes to e-commerce sales and, and you know, live events, but to a smaller detail in WWE now. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you got to get the fan to spend money, right? I, I would argue that reach, nationwide reach, is more important to WWE than it is to any team in the NFL, the NHL, and the NBA. Most, yes. most games in those sports, in those leagues, are regional broadcasts. And in the, in the NFL is, is a, maybe a little more complicated. But certainly in the case of the NBA, the MLB, the NHL, most of those games are regional broadcasts that are not broadcast to the rest of the nation. Uh, only special, you know, high-profile games are. Um, and WWE needs to be on high-reach national TV on a weekly basis so that it can support its live events business and its consumer products business. Businesses that are making up a, a, a shrinking minority of, of their revenue as media becomes more and more valuable, but um, they need to sell tickets and they need to sell merchandise and they need to uh, sell video games and action figures and uh, make other favorable deals with uh, product licensees um, or is it licensors? Anyway, you know what I mean? Um, so, well, and that's been Nick Khan's thing too, is yes. how do we license the IP as much as possible? I mean, we're seeing just, all these deals. Just made, an, just made an autograph deal with, with some company. Yes, I, I, I was going to bring that up. Just another deal. <laughs> that they I, just got. I, I went to their website. It, 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 it didn't look like the most advanced website, but they made it, made a deal with it, with an auto, autograph uh, company. Um, but anyway, Yep. Selling tickets is important. Selling merchandise is important. And being an attractive uh, licensor of IP is important. And if you're, if your only distribution is linear, that's, that's good enough right now. I mean, if you're, and we're talking to be clear, obviously uh, you can view W core content on Hulu and you can view W core content on YouTube and throughout social media to an extent. Um, But, but I'm talking about live. Um, 
is being on uh, a streaming service like Hulu or wherever those rights end up this year is being on YouTube and social media enough digital distribution to achieve the reach that is optimal for their business? Uh, or do they need live rights and can they sell favorably live rights uh, to someone? Now, who would it be? I don't see the rights to Raw, for example, being on Amazon Prime Live and being on the USA Network. I, I think that pits Amazon against USA Network. And maybe what happens, there's too much risk there because maybe uh, the linear viewership really goes away. And then USA Network, NBCU, is left holding this empty bag or uh, behavior sort of plateaus and stops at a certain point and Amazon is left perhaps not having the engagement that it thought it would have. So much more likely outcome I think is for example, raw being renewed in all likelihood it will be with NBC universal and maybe live rights, maybe not every week, maybe only select weeks at first, maybe more weeks later in the deal. Uh, maybe being live on Peacock as well. So I see the linear network and the uh, the 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 same parent owning owning the streaming network. Um, and as I wrote, things can change if, for example, let's say Amazon buys a a broadcast company. Um, but we, what you were getting at is that well, Nick McCon gets on these earnings calls and and hypes how. Netflix, it's only a matter of time before they come for those sports rights. Apple, mm -hmm. it's only a matter. They're already rumored to be interested in, in a variety of different sports rights. Yep. Amazon just got NFL. But I think in WWE's case, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a different thing than, you know, let's take Amazon, right? Amazon is going to have the Thursday night um, football games. This, 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 Next next season, correct? Um, yes. All the other games are still going to be on linear, you know, and and to, to an extent, I think you will be able to watch the NBC broadcasts on Peacock. Um, I watched the uh, the CBS broadcasts on Paramount. Um, but uh, and 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 they're distributed across all these different networks too. But uh, you know, but the, the the fangs don't own a linear distribution partner. I don't I don't see uh in the next round raw or SmackDown rights being dealt exclusively to a streaming partner. That's not going to happen. Uh, they'll be dealt to somebody who's on traditional television, whether it's cable or broadcast. Um, but none of the fangs. Apple doesn't own a a linear TV network, cable or broadcast. Amazon doesn't. Netflix doesn't. Google doesn't. Facebook doesn't. And it's it's questionable whether they if they even if they really really wanted to whether they whether they could get that past antitrust right now. Um, but maybe, uh, maybe Amazon. And I think Nick Nikon told Colin Coward in, in that interview he thinks that Amazon will uh, acquire a major network. Maybe uh, there's, I know there's talk that maybe Comcast wants to spin out NBCU, just like we saw AT&T spin out Warner Media. 
maybe something like that happens. And then that, that makes that, then it would make more sense to, you know, but then, then you've got a, a parent company that's got two streaming platforms in terms of Amazon prime and Peacock. So who knows how that plays out? Um, but yeah, that's, that's what I see happening. And I see W making a lot more money, even as it's consumer interest continues to, to wane. Um, we're seeing ticket sales, we can at least back to where they were pre-pandemic. I'm seeing some questionable things happening in Q4 in terms of e-commerce sales, where the average revenue per order is up, but the number of orders in Q4 was well down from the, the last pre-pandemic Q4 holiday season and all that. Um, Google web search, still not that encouraging. Uh, on a worldwide basis, it's down uh, in January. On a US basis, it's that even so maybe, maybe that's encouraging maybe we're seeing the plateau of of the uh of the drainage um um mj super chat was just kind of talking about a little popularity he said he got together with three friends to watch chamber their interest in WWE highest since they went to mania in 2019 are extremely casual fans and anadol of course i think you might as well do it hey cody there was all the cody the saudi arabia talks the kenny omega even said Yes. I think he's on a flight to Saudi Arabia. So who knows? Maybe this Cody news helps a little bit with popularity and Google trends and whatnot. Yes, maybe. Thank you for the super chat, MJ. Um, that's a good transition point. Abysmal rating for AEW this week. Um, I already talked about it quite a bit on live TV ratings talk, but uh, so let's not dwell on it. Um, but uh, Big Bang Theory had its lowest lead in ever on TBS before dynamite um that did result in in aw's lowest dynamite on tbs ever um was that because of cody i don't know i i, I doubt it the week the weeks the time will tell um we'll see um we can move on to this live event note here yeah i'll just do just to talk about the the downwards and in, in, uh, the ratings um I think if I could be wrong, I think there was a huge hot Olympic hockey game that that night. Well, I could be wrong on what it did. I looked at this. The Olympics have been doing abysmal numbers. What what they did on yeah. Wednesday, what the Olympics did on Wednesday was lower than what it did on Tuesday. Okay, it was lower than what right, it did so on Monday. The NBA games were were a little bit higher than usual, but uh, I don't see any excuses in the competition. Uh, I see the external factor of a weaker lead in than usual. Yeah. But still this was the, this was worse than some of their final ratings on TNT when they had nowhere where even this week's instance of a lead in from the big bang theory was much stronger than what they would have had in those movies that were on at seven 30 on TNT. Right, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we will uh, move on to uh ticket news here. Uh, um, it has been announced that Wednesday, May 11th uh, in Long Island at the UBS Arena, AEW returns. Remember how well they did uh, as far as ticket sales last time. It's going to be a Dynamite and a Rampage uh, in the beginning of the Owen Hart tournament. Yes, the, these are all of um, AEW's upcoming dates, uh, I think that we know of. Why don't you run through those cities real quick? 
Yeah, so uh, February 23rd in Bridgeport, March 2nd in Jacksonville, March 4th in Orlando, uh, March 6th in Orlando. That's Revolution Weekend and Rampage Revolution. Uh, then we have March 9th in Estero, Florida, uh, March 16th in San Antonio, Texas, March 23rd in Cedar Park, March 30th in Columbia, South Carolina, April 6th in Boston, April 13th in New Orleans, Louisiana, and May 11th in Long Island, New York. You sound like Excalibur there, having to run through all those dates. Um, <laughs> yes. So what um, what do we notice about all those dates? They're Louisiana. Let's see. Where is Louisiana relative to the Mississippi? Louisiana is west of the Mississippi. Uh, but here we have uh, Texas. They've been to seven times. Uh, uh, tons of dates in Florida, of course, because of Jacksonville. But other places in Florida, too, including Orlando, which is where you just mentioned the, the pay-per-view is going to be. Um, a, ten dates in Illinois, in Chicago. Um, two in Minnesota, th- three in Missouri. Uh, the most Western states that they've been to, and they've only been in the United States, have never been to Canada, have never been anywhere overseas. Uh, three Three shows that they've done in these most Western states of Colorado, Utah, which I think they went to Salt Lake city just before the pandemic. And, uh, they've done only one event in Las Vegas. Is that right? That's, that's the pre pandemic double or nothing. And then didn't yes. go back to Vegas yet. I, I, did, I didn't make a mistake there. No, because 2021 would have been right before live touring. So, yeah, yeah I think I think you're accurate in there, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um so they've They're never probably been to- returning in 22, but I don't know. This year. I, w- I would expect that. Yeah, I would expect it to be in Las Vegas this year. Um but have never been to, f- to California. Have never been to Oregon. Have never been to Washington state. Which is a surprise to me because if you look at the independent wrestling style coming out of California, in Portland and Washington, it's very similar to what you're seeing in AEW and a lot of current AEW stars are showcased in places out there like defy and west coast pro and mm-hmm. pwg and you know a prestige and you can go on and on and on yeah i think i think the first um show in california to see the young bucks is a big deal um to see darby in in uh darby's from seattle area i think um mm-hmm. so to see um luther in, in 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 Oregon, right? Big local drum. Anyway, uh, so I and I looked at this uh, W since the since the return to touring. W has did do one uh, one set of house shows in California, and they just did a SmackDown in LA, right? So so W since the since the return to touring has been to, to California a bit, uh, but AW not. Um, and and I did ask about this, and uh, and I was told that it has to do with. The timing where, you know, if you do a show at eight, with an 8 p.m. live start time, that's 5 p.m. local. And uh, then you have to open the doors at 3 or 4 p.m. local time. And it's the middle of the week on a Wednesday in their case. And um, it's it's a going to California, for example, is a far distance from the rest of the U.S. So you want to schedule it somehow to be, you know, nearby uh, other events that you're running to minimize the expense. Um, but I, d- I do expect them to go to these states eventually. I just thought it was remarkable that 
uh, you know, we can continue to see the same venues uh, announced uh, and, but still have not been to cer certain areas in the U S um, I think there's, there's big business to be done. And I'm sure AEW is aware there's big business to be done whenever AW goes to, let's say Toronto for the first time or goes to the UK for the first time. Uh, maybe there are travel restrictions uh, delaying those, those things from becoming possible still. Uh, but hopefully, hopefully COVID cases continue to fall. Hopefully been saying that for a long time though. All right. All right. We will uh, move on here. Uh, you want to lead them right to elimination chamber kind of go. I know you had some YouTube stuff listed, but I don't know if you just want to skip that for now. That's that's fine. Um, elimination chamber. Uh, did you watch the elimination chamber? What were your professional wrestling media content con consumption habits this week? Chris Gola? What did you consume? I, I did not consume anything until elimination chamber. You didn't. You didn't watch AEW Dynamite this week. No, not this week. No. No uh, wonder the rating was down. No wonder <laughs> the ratings are down. You, uh, how old are you? <laughs> I am thirty-four. You're pulling down the eighteen to thirty-four. Um. Yeah. This week I just had a lot of stuff going on, so I didn't get to watch that. I didn't really get to watch anything. Uh. But Saturday, I finally had some free time. I didn't have a show this weekend, so. I was curious to see how it would be. I didn't watch the whole thing. I watched a couple matches more towards the end uh, of the show. Um, but, uh, you know, Br Br Brock Lesnar beats everybody. <laughs> That's pretty much the theme of everything. Do you know who has beaten every African-American W champion? The, the main W title, not, not, not the other, not the world heavyweight championship, not the universal, not the universal championship. Who has beaten every WWE African-American champion. Brock Lesnar? Brock Lesnar. Uh, but yes. Uh, I, I spent most of that time tweeting uh, charts. Uh, $350 million now is roughly the amount that, that Saudi Arabia has, or that W has collected from the government of Saudi Arabia. Uh, that is more than every WrestleMania ticket sale ever combined, adjusted for inflation. That is twice as much as AEW's current deal, four-year deal, with Warner Media, uh, that is a little bit more than the entire market capital. This is just to put this in context. Um, I have not looked at the responses to this tweet, but I imagine some people uh, are upset. Um, but anyway, this three hundred fifty million dollars is roughly is well just below, in fact, the entire market capital, the entire value according to the stock market of Bushi Road. Bushi Road, as, as listeners will know, is the parent company of New Japan Pro Wrestling, of stardom. But those two companies are only about 15% of Bushi Road's uh, revenue. So uh, it includes all, all the anime things and gaming things that they do. If we take all of the money that New Japan has generated since Okada has been on top for New Japan, since Okada confronted Hiroshi Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom 2012, all of the all of the revenue, put it all together. That's less. That's just that's that's about three hundred million dollars. That's that's less than than WWE has uh, generated from the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Uh, I estimated a couple of years ago uh, it, it would probably cost to be really aggressive because I wanted to see if if WWE could afford it or not. 
I estimated, you know, I was really aggressive on, on, on all the lines and I got to something like $28 million per year. It would cost WWE to convert all of their independent contractor wrestlers to employees. And uh, I was told that this was insane, insanely high. Uh, I think, I think Dave wrote me observer. <laughs> um, so that, so they could, since 2018, it would, if they converted all of their wrestlers from independent contractors to employees, it would cost them less than, certainly less than $125 million for every year, 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021. That would be a fraction of the revenue that they've generated uh, from, from the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. So probably with, within the operating income of those events. Um, it, it hit me the other night too, reading the Phil Mil- Mickelson news about how he's considering going to play golf for this Saudi Arabian uh, government league rather than the PGA. Uh, that you know, spending a hundred and ten million dollars every year, a hundred, a hundred and ten million dollars every year—that's probably what AEW is spending. That's probably in in the neighborhood. Of what what AEW is spending. When people ask, is AEW profitable? If we exclude that big gaming investment, who knows what the value of that is? Something like $10 million. But uh, other than that, as far as what we might think of as as the traditional wrestling expenses, the Saudi government is spending on WWE probably in the neighborhood of what AEW is spending to run itself. They, they They could have... And this started in 2018. Think about the timing here; it's kind of funny. They could they could have just started started AEW or, or something, you know. I mean, obviously, you would have to have you would have to have you know leadership and connections and things like that 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 Tony Khan was able to provide in 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 addition to billions of dollars. But anyway, yeah, I will say this maybe because it's finally catching on. But watching the crowd in in the chamber, I think they this is the most excited I've ever seen them. The audience, yeah, it's the fan base. Yeah, I didn't watch it. I, I heard that they were hot for some of it, though. Yeah, yeah I'll never remember. I'll never forget the guys just in the front on their cell phones like the whole time. Like, and didn't they have furniture out there in front for one of them? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, you have escaped WrestleMania Jeopardy for the fifth consecutive week. I think uh, I, I do have I do have the PowerPoint right here. I will not will not open it right now because I don't want I want to give you an advanced start to study the questions. I don't want this to be like quiz show where you where you get the questions in advance. I watched quiz show this this past week. Have you ever watched the movie Quiz Show? Uh yeah, it's been a while, but yeah, nineteen ninety four. That's film. A, that's where the nineteen fifties video or uh, game show scandal, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh wow, this is about pro wrestling. This is about like who who we want our top baby face to be. <laughs> this is about Brian Danielson and uh, and Roman Reigns, I think. Uh, Ray, Ray Fiennes playing the role of Roman Reigns and John Totoro playing the, the role of um, of um, Brian Danielson. Yes. Uh, anyway, I think that's all for this week. Anything else to add? No, nope, uh, just, uh, you know, uh, that pro wrestling industry report. It's out there. It's very, very detailed. Yeah. Have you, have you looked at it now? Yeah, I, I, I've looked at it. Yes. Okay, okay. I have looked at it. You looked at all, all, all 71 pages of key metrics analysis <laughs> and, and insights for major pro wrestling companies. I've probably not read every single word, but I've, I've looked at it. There's really not that many words to read. Yeah. So it's a lot, it's a lot of charts. It's mostly charts. And then it's um, yes. just some thoughts on the outlook of, of pro wrestling. Yeah. Uh, that's there on pay up. And I think the link is in the description of both your podcast and your video that you might be listening to slash watching. 
Um, if you're watching on YouTube, please hit that thumbs up and that helps us, that helps our algorithm and helps people discover WrestleNomics. Uh, share it, subscribe to the channel. There's merch at store.postwrestling.com. Uh, I'll be back on Thursday with live TV ratings talk right on the WrestleNomics YouTube channel. And the audio will be there for patrons also. Uh, we are predicting the P18 to 49 rating for Dynamite every week in the WrestleNomics Discord channel. Everybody was wrong this week. I don't think anybody got it. The point three one, the disastrous point three one. Uh, we'll see if it's better next week. Uh, thanks as always to Post Wrestling for being our excellent distribution partner. What's new? Yeah, you? you can uh, um, you can check Rediscovering Indies out this week. Uh, later this week, we'll have a new episode. Um, we're recording on actually Tuesday, so we'll probably have it later on in the week. Uh, we're going to start a deep dive into Burt Prentice's independent oh wrestling promotions. So we're not going to talk much about his like USWA managing career and all that, but discuss the independent wrestling promotions that he ran, because he ran quite a few around different parts of the country. Burt Prentice. Looking yes. forward to it. Um, yes. As always, you can sign up to the, the WrestleNomics Patreon. I think we are approaching our, our, our record for most patrons in a month here. Uh, we, we might be breaking the record. So thanks thanks to everyone for being a patron and signing up. Um, you get access to the daily TV ratings reports every weekday. There's a new TV ratings report because every weekday there is pro wrestling on TV. So I have to report on the ratings. Uh, you get access to the giant WrestleNomics viewership spreadsheet. You get access to the audio of live TV ratings talk. And occasionally you get other stuff like my, uh, my estimate. It's probably, probably worth, worth thousands to some investors, but you get it all for just $5 a month. Um, and I think, uh, I think that's all. Thanks to, thanks to everybody for your generous super chats today. Thanks to everybody for watching and listening. We will talk to you next time. Bye. <laughs>